Email latedebate at rte.ie Welcome back. Barry Lenehan here with you again this evening and this week. And a reminder of our panel, uh, Sinn Féin's Paul Gavin, Fanagales, Emer Curry, Independent TD, Sean Canny, and reporter with the Irish Times, Sarah Burns. Now to a fresh slew of warnings over emergency department overcrowding. The HSC, it's urging the public to consider all care options before they present at emergency departments following an extremely busy bank holiday weekend. And University Hospital Limerick, it again broke its own record for the number of patients waiting on trolleys. And Sarah Burns of the Irish Times. We might have thought we'd passed the peak on this in January, but just what did we witness over the weekend? Yeah, so the figures this morning um, from the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation said there was 683 patients waiting on trolleys. Um, as you mentioned there, UHL has broken its own record uh, in terms of patients on trolleys. That stood at 138 in that hospital this morning. The previous high was 132 on January 2022. Um, so, you know, we had gotten over January, but the IMO had said that there had to be measures put in place that there was going to be this post-bank holiday surge or trolley surge and that the HSC should have taken preventative measures. They're also saying now that, you know, the HSC needs to outline what's planned for St. Patrick's Day, the bank holiday after that and the Easter bank holiday, which will happen in quick succession this year. So the INMO basically saying more preparation is is their key message tonight. Yeah. Uh, So warnings for those who don't require emergency care to consider seeking treatment from their pharmacy or GP instead. But here the cry from GPs tonight. Hang on a minute, they say, with news emerging that two out of three GPs in rural Ireland aren't taking new patients. And Antho leader Pather Tobin, he's characterised it as a, quote, slow motion car crash happening in rural areas when it comes to GP access. So what's it like on the ground? For more, we'll, we can go now to Monaghan Town and GP Dr. Alona Duffy. Dr. Duffy, uh, thank you very much for joining us in the late debate tonight. Um, and you were saying in the Irish Independent today um, that, that you say that anything in your life as a GP has become even busier since the COVID pandemic. How so or, or what does an average day look like now? Well, I think an average day for every GP has started earlier and earlier now. Pre-COVID, things were ramping up. So this isn't just because of COVID. We could see the steady decline in in kind of numbers of GPs as GPs retired and weren't being replaced like for like. And we could see this building up. And obviously over COVID, new roles passed on to general practice. And, you know, through the past few years, we're seeing chronic disease management being transferred to us. We're seeing unresourced and unagreed on work being transferred to us, but also Also, I suppose more importantly, we're seeing our national population rise to an all time high and we are seeing us um, having a fast rising elderly population who clearly are going to have more medical needs, amongst others, perhaps coming to our country who need catch up programmes for their care. And and all of that is just meaning that the life of the daily life of GP is becoming busier and longer, with most of us starting now at about eight in the morning, running to kind of 11 and 12 hour days. I'm still here in the surgery, having been on a meeting about organising out of hours cover for GPs and I still have paperwork to do before I go home tonight and that's you know that's okay that's a bit of an unusual night but I can tell you many GPs are here until eight and nine in their surgeries as they try to keep up with the workload. Is that sustainable for the sector going forward? Well, it's clearly not sustainable. And I suppose, you know, this isn't about playing poor mouth for GPs, but it is about saying that we know the importance of having a GP in your life providing health care. 
because a GP is the person who kind of pulls everything together, who you go to with every problem and helps you decide which of the problems that can be managed by us, your GP, or for which issues you might need a referral onwards. And we help guide you in that ongoing path. But that path has become more and more difficult. We're seeing barriers every bit of the way. You talked about A&E crisis. We have patients who we need to send to hospital and who don't want to go to hospital because they're afraid of attending A&E departments, afraid of being on trolleys, feeling elderly patients saying, I'd prefer to take my chances, stay at home, and if I die, I die. We have younger people afraid to bring their children to hospital um, and none of that is good. So we've got, we've got to look at that. I mean, today, one of the phone calls I dealt with was a call um, to see if I knew of any practice in Mahan who could take on a family who have a new baby who needs baby vaccines and cannot get a GP anywhere. So that's the kind of crisis we're now facing where people actually can't even get registered in a GP practice, as you already said. And that's the practical kind of thing, how it impacts not only just getting sick, but how do you get your baby vaccinated? How do you get your child seen and get checkups? How do you get a sick cert for yourself if you're out of work? Because only a GP can provide you with that social welfare cert so that you'll get some money. And general practice in Ireland obviously was previously lauded for the fact people could perhaps see their their own GP on the same day. Given these figures we see today, more than two out of three GPs in rural Ireland not taking on new patients, uh, waiting lists of, of two weeks in some parts of the country, Wicklow and Wexford particularly bad. Are, are those days same day appointment? Are they a thing of the past for, for good? Well, they're definitely under threat. And I think GPs around the country want to ensure that if you have an acute and urgent need that you will see us. But I think now the difficulty is that if you want to come in for the checkup, if you want to come in about your HRT, about your pill, or just for a well-meant check, you won't get an appointment that week. You will wait a couple of weeks to get it. And and I think the other scary thing is that we've got to be sure that we don't turn into the same system as is across the border in Northern Ireland or across the sea in the UK, where people um, really spend weeks and weeks trying to get hold of a GP, even for the acute problems. So we know there's a crisis. We know it can be helped. It can be fixed. But we really need to see a change of mindset. And that's not just saying we're going to increase the number of GP trainees. It's looking at general practice itself and saying, how do we sustain and maintain the GP numbers that we have and for, for further increase that and ensure that our younger doctors want to see general practice as a career that they will choose. Yeah, and what, what practical steps would you envisage? They say uh, we currently have seven GPs per 10,000 of the population. The estimate from the IM, IMO is we need to get to at least 12 per 10,000 to ensure a safe and effective service. So what practical steps or easily implementable steps would you suggest to perhaps get that figure up? Number one, we have to look at general practice and realise that GPs aren't protected by many of the structures that are in place for other doctors, such as hospital doctors, our consultants, our junior doctors or our public health doctors. And by that, I mean, we're, we're kind of self-employed. So there's no guarantee around anything from income to pensions. There's no guarantee you can take annual leave, no guarantee you can take sick leave. We know of GPs who continue to work despite not being fit to work with early cancer diagnosis, with fractures, with going in with running temperatures because they can't get cover to look after their patients. So we need to be able to tell younger doctors, you will be able to take a maternity leave. You will be able to take sick leave. You will be guaranteed your annual leave. So there are many ways we can look at that at the HSC, having banks of locums available. 
We've also got to protect GPs for further cuts in the future. During FEMPI, that was probably the biggest blow to general practice. We saw funding to general practice, not the individual funding to a GP, but to their practices cut by 38%. That was massive and that did huge damage to general practice where many G- younger GPs said, well, I'm not going to run a practice. I'll happily work in a practice, but I definitely don't want to take on that managerial role and that financial responsibility and liability. So there, I suppose there's some basic things. We've also got to protect general practice and let us do the work we're good at doing, which is um, seeing our patients when they need to be seen and stopping this un, unending, in, unending transfer of workload where hospitals are telling patients to contact us for us to arrange tests that they should be doing, a, a review, where they're telling us to follow up on tests that they've done. A review of free GP care, Dr Duffy, that, is that something that should be on the table? Well, I think, you know, none of us want to see barriers to patients accessing care. But if we remove the cost barrier, which we're doing by providing more and more free GP care, we're creating another barrier. And that barrier is that people will not be able to access a GP in a timely fashion. Well, Dr. Alona Duffy uh, in, in Monaghan, just w- one other thing I, I meant to ask you as well, it was mentioned in the paper earlier on, is that, and this is aggression from those uh, calling surgeries, perhaps looking for an appointment, not getting it for some time, and receptionist staff being met with aggression. Um, is that something you've encountered or that you've heard of? It absolutely is. And I suppose we've we've finding now that people are arriving into our surgeries, they may email, they may ring and we'll advise them to fill in an application. But then we have to warn them that the application list will be added to a bundle of hundreds. And and people understandably are frustrated. They may have a sick child or a sick relative or be sick themselves. And they feel that, you know, we should accept them and see them. And we can't because if we continue to accept more and more patients, we won't be able to provide for those we have. So again, actually, interestingly enough, it's the private patients who feel that it'll be easier for them to get accepted into a practice and yet they're probably now the group of patients who are most disadvantaged because the HSE do have a certain responsibility for those who are entitled to a medical card or a doctor visit card and have a limited ability to be able to forcibly assign those patients to practices despite those practices being full. Okay, Dr Alona Duffy, GP in Monaghan, thank you uh, so much uh, for joining us on the late debate tonight. Uh, Emer Curry, uh, Finnegan Senator, the, the picture painted there by Dr Duffy, um, it's, it's not ideal by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, is it an accurate description of what you're hearing as well or would you take issue with what the doctor has outlined? I'm not going to take issue with what the doctor has outlined and I, I think um, that we do have uh, challenges, um, very important challenges in relation to work-life balance for our GPs. Um, and ensuring that they're not working those crazy hours, that they, they do get um, access to their um, annual leave, their maternity leave, paternity leave. Um, that's how you encourage people into the vocation. Um, and there is a there is a review ongoing um, at the moment about uh, the sustainability of um, uh, GP services. But this isn't a, a new problem. Is there any specific perhaps policy measure that you can point out that the government of Gael have done within the past short while to alleviate this growing problem? Yeah, there. I mean, there are. Um, there's the non-EU rural GP programme, um, which was started last year and has seen 76 placements of GPs from non-EU countries and 
Um, that's we hope that's going to grow to 250 by the end of this year. We're in- increasing uh, GP training places, um, uh, and there's 350 of those planned this year. Um, and training them for where? 442 Irish doctors have been issued with temporary work visas for Australia. That was in 2022. So are we training them for export? Well, 6% of doctors uh, emigrate. And I think, uh, you know, that could that's a, a small enough number. But actually, if you're dealing with small numbers, then that is a significant number. So we do have to ensure that our doctors are attracted and to stay in Ireland um, to treat patients in their communities. And we have to make sure that we're delivering on Slauncha Care, on our free GP care and making uh, GPs accessible and affordable. Sean Canney, uh, you heard Fine Gael's Emer Curry there. Uh, More places for non-EU GPs and more training places as well. Is that an adequate enough of a response for you? Well, no, in my own constituency in Galway East, I, I more and more am coming across issues in relation to people trying to find a GP, people trying to find a GP for their child uh, to get a vaccination and all of this. Um, I Talking to some of the GPs in my own area, they are absolutely at burnout stage, some of them. And the problem is that uh, trying to attract uh, new blood into the system is creating problems. And um, I don't think, you know, it has been set out there uh, by the doctor exactly uh, a picture, but nothing is new in that. We know that for a good while that we have an ageing population. We know that uh, we have an increase in population, but we don't seem to be planning um, uh, and have a strategy uh, to try and deal with this. Well, the the I senator, do, I, in fairness, did suggest that more training places and more doctors from abroad are coming on stream. Yeah, that, that's that's a small part of it. But I, I go back to the issue in relation to the backup service that GP practices need uh, to survive. Um, and like, for instance, I, I know that most GP practices are, are overloaded with work, but there's more and more paperwork coming at them and even from the point of view of a housing adaptation grant, you have to get the GP to sign a form. It takes so much time to do that. Everything has to go to the GP um, and they do it uh, uh, willingly, but it's taking time. And there's there's a cost in all of that. So I do believe that, uh, you know, we have to look at how the GP practice is set up in Ireland and how we can support the GP practice better using technology and in um, providing technology so that people can work more efficiently. But at the same time, we have to make sure that our people are being treated. And uh, some of it, I I, kind of cringe a bit when I hear about um, the HSE advising people not to go into the A&E because better go to your GP first. But basically, a lot of people then are referred in. And I have a case ongoing at the moment where a GP has written, I'd say, four times to a hospital uh, for a lady who needs an operation. But the GP has written four times and is now, that's four times she's written, four four letters and four four times, times. Yes, Times. and of course, pressure in on the out-of-hours services as well. Senator Paul Gavin of Sinn Féin, what, what's your solution for this and for the, the concerns outlined by Dr Lona Duffy? Well, first of all, we just need to recognise that the system is, is in total crisis at the moment. You said it yourself, Barry. I mean, where I come from in Limerick, 138 patients on trolleys today. Every time we think it, doesn't, it can't possibly get any worse, it does get worse. A new record. Now, that's after 12 years of Fine Gael government. That's after eight years of Fianna Fáil supported or direct governments. 
the current policies aren't working. We do have solutions. My colleague David Cullinan put together a very clear alternative budget in relation to health, which suggested, for example, that we immediately uh, design a direct contract, GP contract, because it's clear that the current model, and in fairness, Dr Duffy alluded to this, the current model of self-employment uh, isn't working, particularly in rural areas. It needs to be supplemented. So we would hire a pool of GPs on, on direct contract, and we would we would give that support to the areas that, that need it most in terms of disadvantage. Ian Curry has made reference to it there, and 50 GPs from South Africa have also been recruited to relieve the shortage, a two-year programme of supervisions and, and a higher number of training places and as that's well. Welcome. Is that not? That's welcome, but it's clearly not hitting the, 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 the required need because, uh, as the article today suggests, if you're living in Monaghan today, you can't actually find a GP who will actually take you on. Such as such as such as the the logjam that we've got, and this problem didn't arise yesterday or, to, or or the day before. My GP spoke to me about this problem three years ago. I know in areas in rural Limerick and in rural County Clare, you have to wait at least two weeks for an appointment. Um, the system is in crisis, and the same old tired thinking isn't going to solve these problems. We need new thinking, new policies, and don't forget we have a, a recruitment embargo. Perhaps Senator Curry could explain how the That's recruitment it. embargo was going to deliver well, the, the people we Well, the chief executive of the HSC last week said he wasn't even sure if the embargo was working. So that's a matter for another day. But uh, Emer Curry, how do you respond to Paul Gavin? Well, I would say that I, I think... Um, we shouldn't take anything off the table when it comes to um, looking at this uh, and this strategic review. Um, at the moment, there are increased subsidies for rural areas, uh, for uh, disadvantaged areas in, in urban locations as well. It is an issue that comes up on the doors, access to but it, GPs. It's not a new issue, as Paul Gavin of Sinn Féin pointed out, uh, and as he said, Fine Gael are there, uh, the tiller at the, at the wheel for the last 12 years. So well, why well, is it pertaining? Well, we have seen an increase uh, in the investment in GP services. Um, in 2019, I believe it was 560 million. This year, um, in 2023, it was 790 million. So we are seeing investment uh, but we do have challenges, population um, growth uh, and the fact that the model of being a GP uh, is changing. You would have had your, your local GP perhaps that would work uh, incredibly long hours and uh, we want to change that. We want for, for GPs uh, to have a work-life balance, uh, to be able to have a family um, and have a job um, and, and, and that is where we need to get to. And Sean Canney, 1,300 applications for 350 GP training places this year, we're told. Does that fill you with any confidence? No. And the other thing I would say is that we're, we're concentrating on the GP service right now. But part of it is due to the fact that our we have creaking infrastructure in our hospitals. And if you take uh, University Hospital Galway, um, we have a, 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 an ED department which was demolished and a temporary one put in place, I'd say, about five years ago. And we haven't still got plan permission uh, applied for for the permanent one. So everything is the, interconnected. The, you're saying, deputy. The, well, there the, therein lies a problem. We have about 400 beds shortage. We have a cancer treatment unit that's needed. We're we're way behind the rest of Ireland even. And the problem with it is that it will take 
you know, years to deliver this infrastructure unless we change tact. And if we get the infrastructure right in the hospital, we won't be telling people to go to your GP first. We'll be able to deal with the problems in a wholesome and a full way so that people get their treatment when they need it. We get people off trolleys. And as well as that, we give the service to the people. We have an ageing population. We have an increasing, increasing population, but we're not... Uh, providing the infrastructure and if we provide the good infrastructure rather than having labs and prefabs at the last 40 years but in the, Galway. The, that number of applications though to become a GP uh, as I said 1300 for 350 is that not a sign the wheel is turning here? Well, but why don't we have more places? Why aren't we building on the capacity if there's demand for it? And the other thing is that you you have a situation where if we provide the infrastructure, we will attract more young people to wait at home uh, in whatever health, uh, be it nursing or whatever it would be, so that we can provide the service that is required and is being demanded. Uh, Senator Paul Gavin of Sinn Féin, I know one element of this which is concerning for you is uh, is the business model. Elaborate on that. Well, I mean, effectively, you can't leave healthcare to the marketplace. And, and the reason we're failing in rural Ireland at the moment is because the traditional model isn't able to cope anymore because of the changes that I think we all agree has been happening. Mm. So what we need to see is a greater outreach, strategic outreach from the state. And the best way to do that, as I say, is to hire GPs directly. I mean, my God, they do it all across Europe. Why is Ireland always such an outlier when it comes to healthcare? You think Why it's d- too much of a cooperate model, is it? Absol- absolutely, absolutely. And, and it, uh, interestingly, if you see where, where uh, GP, uh, GP practices are expanding, it's the corporate model that's expanding for good reason, because in the corporate model, GPs get a 40-hour week. They get the pensions uh, that Dr Duffy spoke about. They get proper holidays. What we need to do is to develop a state model of GP direct practice, direct care, that can, that can actually rep- replicate that and then target the most disadvantaged areas. And it can be done. What's lacking is the political will to make it happen. Bernard Ruan, a GP in Milton, Senator, um, in, in Kerry, he said um, one suggestion he had was to restore the allowance for home visits during the day, saying it wasn't attractive for retired doctors to do stand-in at the moment. Is a measure like that something that's in your party's alternative health budget? It's not there at the moment, but, but I mean, a, a, any good party, any good government will actually take on board sensible suggestions like that. Of course we need to utilise whatever facilities, whatever people we can utilise in this emergency. Sensible suggestions should be adopted. We haven't seen that from this government. Is that something, Emer Curry, that might be on the agenda? Well, like I said, I don't think we should take anything off the table of this uh, man that you're suggesting, uh, his suggestion. I think we should look at lots of suggestions. And one of my own is that um, Minister Harris has been very committed to working on a north-south basis uh, when it comes to healthcare um, uh, and uh, places at third level. 200 nursing um, places in the north and uh, 50 uh, therapy courses, uh, places that can be accessed by um, students in the south. Perhaps there's also um, the opportunity here for the expansion of, of places. And but we, we'd we have gone in, in 2023, there were 286 um, places. It's it's going up to yes, 350. Yes, we said lots of cases. And I just want to um, briefly, Sean, can he ask for your reaction as well? Uh, across the county bounds in Mayo, they staged a, a five-month sit-in to get their local GP back, including 84-year-old Kathleen Garrett. This was in the village of Lahardan. Uh, what, what's your reaction to that story? It's garnered quite the bit of attention. 
It has, and it probably demonstrates the frustration and the um, anxiety that exists within communities. Before Christmas, we had uh, demonstrations by parents of young people where uh, disability services are not being delivered because of the lack of the services in in a new um, children's disability network uh, centre in Toome, which is serving uh, the west uh, uh, west of Ireland. And there is a huge problem right across health. We have, um, and and there more and more people are getting angry about it and getting uh, frustrated about it and are taken to the streets and I think this is something that uh, needs to be tackled head on and needs to we need to show results very very quickly I want to move on but before I do from Matters Health Sarah Burns of the Irish Times and news in relation uh, to possibility of an outbreak of measles among unvaccinated groups so this probability could be high and the cabinet has been discussing it this afternoon this evening what's this? Yeah, so I understand the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, briefed Cabinet on this this afternoon um, about raised concerns of wide transmission of the disease here in 2024 due to the falling rates of the MMR vaccine, as well as the significant increase in cases um, in Europe over the winter. Um, The MMR vaccine uptake is currently below um, the WHO recommended target of 95%. So I think here we're just uh, below 90. But um, that kind of varies significantly where you are in the country. So in Loud and Mead, it's below 80%. Um, It's higher in Dublin Southwest at 94%. So um, I understand the Minister for Health briefed Cabinet today and spoke about rolling out these communication campaigns about the importance of uh, being vaccinated. There's a catch-up programme launched uh, for te- for children up to 10 who missed out on the vaccine for whatever reason and also the possibility of a catch-up programme for Leaving Cert students as well as um, college and higher institution students as well. Oh, yeah. We will see what will happen there. You've been getting in touch in relation to our discussion. The current GP shortage is in no so- small part a consequence of the FEMPI cuts of 2009 to 2011. It meant existing practices didn't have the money to hire newly qualified GPs between 2010 and 21, leaving many of them with no alternative but emigration. Money would have prevented the problem then, but will not solve it now, as training a GP takes a minimum of 10 years. The only short-term solution is importing family doctors from countries who are paying their doctors as poorly as we did for 10 years. So says that texter to 51551.